Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, I want to welcome everyone from around the world, and thank you for joining us. My name is Ed Luther. I'm the senior pastor at City Church here on the beautiful Sunshine Coast, and I hope that this message really encourages you and builds your faith. We're in part two of a series that I've entitled After Easter, and uh, I've entitled this particular message, Take Another Look or Take a, a Better Look. I'll often around the house be looking for something, and not be able to find it. And I could look for a long time, you know, 15, 20 minutes for something and not find it. And finally, out of frustration, I'll yell out to my backup, which is my wife, Gail, and I'll say, I can't find whatever it is. And she'll come and within about 10 seconds, she'll have found it. And then she'll say this, she'll say, you need to take a girl's look. Now, all of you women out there, you know what she means by that. All of us guys, we have no idea. But uh, she just seems to find things very quickly. Sometimes they're really obvious. They're like right, right in front of me, but I just can't see it. Uh, I remember one time, this is kind of embarrassing, but truth, uh, walking around the house looking for my glasses. And the fact was I was wearing my glasses <laughs> the whole time. And uh, that's embarrassing. Anyway, uh, one of the things that uh, I noticed about these disciples, and we're going to um, jump into John chapter 21 and be looking at verses uh, 4 to 14, and something is going to be really obvious, but it's not really obvious unless you're thinking about it. We're going to ask a few questions today as we look at taking another look. It says in verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Push pause for a moment here because this is really quite incredible. They were his best friend. They walked with him for three and a half years of ministry, face-to-face conversations, watching him like a hawk, uh, mimicking, Im- imitating him in so many ways. And uh, we're going to find out he's only about 100 yards away from them, and they did not know that it was Jesus. We'll look at that. Now it says, uh, he called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, who is John, He said to Peter, it's the Lord, whoo, and uh, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Now, so Simon climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore, was full of large fish. I love this. An exact count, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And then Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came back uh, 
took the bread, gave it to them, did the same with the fish. And now it was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Uh, the first time was when Jesus appeared, what we would call Easter Sunday, that first morning uh, when he rose and came out of the tomb. The second time uh, that John records here, the second time is eight days later when he's in a room. He comes back for Doubting Thomas. Uh, we talked about that last week, and it's amazing because God comes back for doubters. Doesn't that give some comfort to uh, some of us that maybe have doubts every now and then? And then the third time Jesus comes back is recorded here. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, John only, only records eight miracles that Jesus did, and he calls them signs. A sign is a miracle that teaches a lesson. It, it's a sign that points the way to someone or something. I want you to take note of that. And the eighth and the final sign, the, the miracle of the fish, is the only one that John records after Jesus was raised from the dead. What does this sign tell us? Well, it tells us a lot. It tells us a lot about ourselves and how we see Jesus in particular. This sign points out something that is so obvious that it's not obvious. Before the resurrection, they recognized him. They knew him. They walked with him. And after the resurrection, they hardly recognized him. I find that absolutely amazing. At the tomb, when he was uh, first uh, seen, rose from the dead, he appears to the women. They didn't know it was Jesus. They thought he was the gardener. And then on the road to Emmaus, he's talking to two of his disciples, and, and he's walking with them. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us? But they, they, they only realized it was Jesus when he opened their eyes. And then in the room with Thomas, they, they still didn't know it was him until he opened their eyes. And now he's on the shore, and they don't recognize him. His own disciples, his best friends, did not recognize him when he came. I find that amazing. How will I recognize him when he comes? If they could not recognize him after face-to-face -face encounters over three and a half years hanging out, living together, what hope have I got, what hope have you got of recognizing him when he comes? Well, have you ever bumped into somebody that was out of context? I mean, uh, you know, maybe the bank teller. You see that bank teller every week. You go in, perhaps do some transactions at the bank and say hi. And, you know, he or she is the friendly teller. Uh, but then you're out shopping somewhere and uh, you see this person. You go, yeah, they, they look really familiar, but they're not behind the counter. They're, they're not at the bank. They're out uh, somewhere, maybe the shopping mall or somewhere else. And it's like they're out of context and you just don't recognize them. I remember I was at a restaurant and there was a party at the restaurant next door. And uh, I looked at this guy and I said to Gail, I said, I know that guy, but I don't, I just can't, I can't put my finger on what is his name? Who is he? How do I know him? But I knew him. And he looked over and he smiled at me. And I thought, oh no, I'm going to be done. If he comes over, I'm not going to remember his name. You know, if he wants to shake my hand, I'm not, not going to know who he is. I won't be able to introduce Gail. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but it's a pretty uncomfortable uh, thing when, when you see somebody out of context. It wasn't until like a day later that it dawned on me. He was the surgeon that did the knee surgery on my knee. Did not recognize him totally out of context. I think sometimes the reason that we don't recognize Jesus, or let's put it this way, these guys didn't recognize Jesus, is because he was out of context. Now, out of context can be uh, our fault. 
We, we, we take Jesus to church with us. We know Jesus shows up at church on a Sunday. We know there's certain places, there's, cer- there's a certain context where Jesus is, is welcome, but there's other places where we go where we don't welcome him, we don't take him, we don't acknowledge him, and he's out of context, and therefore we don't see him working within the context of that situation. I think about maybe your work, and you think, well, you know, I don't, I'm not supposed to evangelize. I'm not supposed to talk about Jesus at work, and, and perhaps that's true, but you can still, under your breath, you can still pray. You can still acknowledge his presence when somebody at work is having a situation, and maybe they could use some prayer or maybe a word of encouragement or, or just some kind of inspiration. It, Jesus needs to show up wherever we go. We need to take him, not just in the context of taking him to church or showing up or realizing and he's going to meet us there, but sometimes we don't see Jesus in the situation because we're not inviting Jesus into the situation. Hello. I don't want to mess with you this uh, today, but uh, I think it's really important that we realize that uh, sometimes it's our fault that we don't see Jesus. It's not that God is playing hard to get. You know, uh, some of the Superman movies, I don't know if you watched any of them at all, but uh, I find that amazing because Clark Kent is Superman. I think we all know that. And, and yet, the guy with the glasses in the office, he's the same guy with the red cape. He's the same guy that's got all these superpowers. But in the office, he's Clark Kent. Nobody recognizes him because he's got his glasses on and he's got a suit and a tie on. Uh, sometimes I think, well, how does that work? I've got some glasses. If I put them on, are you going to say, I don't know who you are? I don't think so. I think the problem sometimes is we need to put our glasses on and we need to see Jesus, that he's actually uh, given us incredible power, that he's actually working on our behalf. He's working in our situation. He's not Clark Kent. We're not Clark Kent. God is more than Superman. He's more than sufficient. And we need to invite him into every situation, not just the tough ones when we run out of our own power. and Oh, I can't do this. Uh, I've got something now. I've come up against something that I can't solved, so I better call on Superman. No, friends. You better call on him all the time. He wants to be the person that that sticks closer than a brother. Other times we can't see him because our outlook or our perception is clouded. I I look at uh, people sometimes and they go, I just can't see God in my situation. And I think, well, here's the key. Your outlook is what you look out from. And if you've got bitterness in your heart, you're just going to see bitterness coming out your eyeballs. You're not going to ever see God. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, good luck on perceiving God. Get that out of your heart. Clear your eyesight. Ask forgiveness and ask the person, whoever you've got that's done you wrong, uh, you know, or, or you've done them wrong, just clear the air with it because the Bible says this. It says, blessed are the pure in heart. Sometimes we don't see God because of our outlook, what we're looking out of. It's clouded by a whole lot of different things. And, and, and our outlook is what really needs to be cleared up. Blessed are the pure in heart. You can't see God for yourself until you see God without yourself. I mean, that's a big statement, but sometimes uh, I look at social media and I think some of us believe our own press. We're so wrapped up 
and selfies and everything's about self and look at me, look at my highlight reel, look what I'm doing now, me, 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 me. I don't know, I just can't see God in my life. I, I just don't know where God is. I, you know, I just don't seem to be able to see God working in, in, in my life. Well, get you out of the picture and you'll start to see God in your life. You can't see God for yourself until you see God without yourself. Tweet that one, put that one on your Instagram. How, how you see God depends on your outlook and your outlook depends on what you're looking out from. I remember one time, I was in San Diego and I was uh, working as a financial analyst accountant for a big company. And, uh, and I was also doing some private work in the financial area. And I uh, partnered with this particular businessman. And, you know, he was a churchgoer. He uh, presented well, everything else, very successful. And uh, so I went into uh, a partnership business with him. At the same time, I felt called to go to Bible college. So I'm living in San Diego. The Bible school is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the middle of America. And uh, I entered into this relationship with this guy and, and, and several thousand dollars later into this relationship, and he knew I was going to Bible college. Uh, I kept saying, so when is my commission gonna come? Uh, and of course, the check was always in the mail. It never did come. I had to leave, I had to go to Bible college, so I went to Bible school, like I said, Tulsa, Oklahoma, it's several thousand miles away uh, uh, from uh, San Diego, it's kind of in the middle of the country, and the whole time, the whole time that I'm listening to amazing teaching and revelation on the Word of God by some of the greatest teachers at that time in the world that would come through there, and, uh, and I'm listening to these amazing messages, and I cannot see God, I cannot hear from God, because the whole time, my mind, my sight, was back in San Diego choking this guy. I mean, I was ropeable. He ripped me off, and I was thinking about, how am I gonna get back there? How am I gonna get my money? What am I gonna do? My mind was totally wrapped up. Somebody said one time that your, your head is no, no place to, uh, somebody else else's head, rather, is no place to store your joy. Well, my joy was stored back there in San Diego. And I remember God speaking to me to clear my eyesight, to get my outlook cleared up, to get my heart pure, so I wasn't just wasting my time and wasting my money going to Bible school. He said, you've got to forgive this guy. I thought, forgive him? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what do you mean? He's ripped me off. How do you forgive somebody like that? God said, I want you to give him something. And, 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 I, and I said back, I remember, I, I went, I already gave him thousands of dollars. How much more do you want me to give him? And, and he took my money and he bought a Salvador Dali painting with it and, and took the rest of it to Las Vegas and just blew the whole lot of it. My hard-earned money was, was, was squandered by this guy and you, you want me to give him something else? Well, God said this to me. He said, look at the word forgive. What is it? Well, it's, it's made up of two words. What are they? Forgive. Forgiveness is when you give for somebody because they don't have it to give. He obviously didn't have it to give or, you know, he wouldn't have done what he did. Uh, 
And so God said, go and get him a present. So I went out shopping, bought him something. I don't remember what it was. Uh, he said, get him a card. Write something nice on the card. Tell him you're blessing his life. Tell him he can keep the money. So I got the card. And, and man, you know, it was the hardest thing I could do to write that letter, you know, to write on that card something nice about this guy. And, and I gift wrapped that little package and I put the card with it. And I remember I drove around and around that mailbox. Oh, I did not want to put that in the mail. I did not want to give him anything because he ripped me off. And so I'd go back to the lectures at Bible college. I'd be sitting there listening to, again to great teaching and, and getting nothing out of it, wasting my time. All that effort and money and everything else I put into going to Bible college. I was working nights. I'd drive in a limousine and uh, a bellman at a hotel and thinking, man, I wouldn't even have to do this work. If he wouldn't have ripped me off, I'd have plenty of money. I wouldn't even have to do all this. Finally, I put that present in the, in the mailbox and immediately, I mean immediately, my vision was cleared. Immediately, all of that unforgiveness, when I gave for him, that just lifted off of me. But I put that thing in there. I take it back before I drop it in there. You know, once that lid shuts, you can't get your hand down in there to get that back again. And uh, I, I remember several attempts to get that thing in the mailbox. It just wasn't happening. But finally, when it did, that thing just lifted off, and my vision was totally, totally restored. I went to, to class that, that Monday or that week, and I'll never forget, it was like, Everything they said, man, I was just taking notes. God was just downloading into me. I could see God in everything. I was, my joy was back in my head. I was back with God again, and, and God was in control of my life. It was the most amazing thing. I want to encourage you right now, get your outlook clear. Get your vision clear. If you've got bitterness in your heart, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart, if you've got anything that's clouding your vision, you need vision. Vision just means to see. God, God has given you something amazing. God wants to show you amazing things for your life, but your vision has to be cleared to see it. Get your, get your eyes back in your head and watch what God will do. He is the issue. He is the picture. He is what God wants you to see. It's not always the Jesus, however, that you want to see, but it's always the Jesus that you need to see. So how will you recognize Jesus when he comes? Well, the answer is a pure heart. Keep your heart pure. A thankful heart is a pure heart. A soft heart is a pure heart. I, I learned... Uh, uh, many years ago, that what I appreciate goes up in value. Depreciation, I used to be an accountant, like I said, uh, to depreciate means to go down in value, to appreciate. If you got an appreciating asset, it means that it's going up in value. And what you appreciate, appreciates. So start to appreciate the things that God has given you and start, 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 uh, counting your blessings and quit complaining and looking at what you don't have and, and all of that. Keep your heart soft. A surrendered heart is a pure heart. A heart after God is a pure heart. Sometimes I look at uh, the things that people have and the, the way that they approach God. And it's not unlike these disciples. They start to get demanding of God, almost like God owes me because I'm following him. I remember early in my Christian walk, and I was a baby Christian. I was 
you know, pretty naive in the whole thing, and you grow up, and I, uh, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to, uh, you know, to share some of these stories, but I will, because I think it's going to help somebody. But I, I remember uh, demanding that Jesus appear to me, and, and myself and my, my buddy that got saved about the same time, we went down to Imperial Beach. It's right on the border of Mexico, and uh, we went down there. We decided it's about time that Jesus shows himself. And we got a hold of a few scriptures. You know, you can take anything out of, out of context and uh, make the Bible say whatever you want. If two or more of you shall agree is touching anything, it shall be done. And so we said, come on, let's agree. Right now, we're going to go down to that beach, and we are not leaving that beach until Jesus walks out of that, those waves uh, across that water until we see Jesus. So we sat down there, and, uh, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and the sun went down, and then uh, my friend and I decided we'll walk in different directions, and, uh, and we'll come back and meet here, and if you see him, you know, you come back and tell me, and if I see him, come back and tell It sounds really silly, doesn't it? It is silly, but, you know, I just wanted to see Jesus so bad, and I don't think that's a bad desire to want to see Jesus. I think that's a good thing, and I can't wait till one day we go to heaven and, you know, get to see him face to face. That's going to be an amazing day, but I walked down the beach. We agreed what time we're going to meet back at that spot. So about a half an hour, whatever, down. And, and uh, we came back. I looked at my friend from a distance, kind of like, did you see him? And he just went, nope. And looked at me, and I went, nope. <laughs> and neither one of us, Jesus didn't appear to us. What we were actually asking was, God, we want to believe in you, but we want to see you, and then we're going to believe in you. It just doesn't work that way. It's like I preached uh, the other week, seeing is not believing. And, and if you've got to see it to believe it with your physical eyes, then it's not faith. Because faith is a deep-seated trust in what you're hoping for and what you cannot see. That's what faith is. So we're blessed because we haven't seen, the Bible says. And so these guys here, Peter and, and, uh, and, and the rest of the disciples, in verse 21, uh, chapter 21, verse 7, in John it says this, it says, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his garments around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Big question here. If you're going to go for a swim, you don't put your overcoat on, you're going to sink. If you're going to go for a swim, you peel it all off and you jump into the water. You don't put your garment on before you jump into the water. And, and that's exactly what Peter did. The question is, why? Why did he do that? And what is the lesson in that for you and for me? Well, I asked that question several years ago. I was preaching in New York and uh, uh, was staying in a hotel and flipped over to that, that same text that we're in right now. And I, I started thinking about that. And uh, the answer that I came up with I think is pro quite profound, and it applies to our lives right now, perhaps the situation, that, whatever situation that you're in right now. And uh, I never forget, because I was thinking about the time when uh, I was trying to water ski, slalom ski, in other words, you know, ski on one ski. And I could do that. I could get up, uh, you know, out of the water, but I couldn't do a shore start. And I don't know, you know, for some people, oh, you can't do a shore start, you know, that's so easy. Well, 
Call me uncoordinated. I don't know. It wasn't easy for me. And I'd try the shore start. You know, the boat would rev up, get a bit of slack, and then, you know, pull me off the shore and everything. And then I'd keel over. I'd fall over on one side or the other. Or I'd go head first into the water. I just could not do a shore start. And I'll never forget, I tried and tried and tried. A friend of mine had a boat, and he, he gave it, you know, a good attempt. But pretty soon it was like nobody else is going to get a ski here. So maybe it's time for you to stop, and maybe another day we'll come back. And I remember thinking about that. I thought, man, I wish I had another shot at that. Because I think I, could, I, think I know what I did wrong. I think that if I could do that again, I think I could do it. Have you ever done something and failed? and just wished that you had another go? Have you ever been there before? You tried something, you failed, but you worked it out, and, and then you think, man, if I ever get another shot at this, I'm telling you, I'm going to do it. Well, Peter is the only person other than Jesus that walked on water. You might remember the storm. Jesus is coming his way, and uh, he says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus says, Come. He gets out of the boat and he walks on water. Wow. I mean, nobody else has done it. And then he sinks because he, he regards the wind and the waves. And we know we kind of accentuate that bit. We, we kind of, oh, you know, see, Peter got full of fear and he sank. Well, Peter walked on water, hot shot. What about you? And uh, he's the only guy other than Jesus that did it. Uh, I think that's, you know, bravo for Peter. But he did sink. I could imagine from that time until this time, in his mind as they're walking along on those roads, those long talks with Jesus, and now Jesus is gone, and this is something like uh, uh, between zero and 40 days later that uh, you know, Jesus is on the shoreline. He, he's been thinking about that. I, I, you know, he's been thinking, man, I wonder if I'll ever get another shot to walk on water. If I ever get another try, I am going to take more than the, uh, five steps or two steps, whatever he took before. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it all the way there. And so he sees Jesus on the shore, and, and, and John goes, it's Jesus. He goes, here we go. And out of the boat he go. He puts his coat on because he is going to walk to Jesus. The other guys have got to row or they got to swim or something. He's walking, baby. I'm not going to get wet. And down he goes. Well, what's the difference? And what's the lesson in it for us? Well, there's one big thing missing here, Peter. <laughs> and it'd be one big thing missing from your life as well. Uh, in the first instance, Jesus said, come. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When God tells you to do something, you can do anything, including walking on water. When God doesn't tell you to do it, you can do nothing except to be in your own strength, and you cannot walk on water. God did not tell him to come. Jesus didn't go, hey, Peter, you know, another opportunity, bro. Come on. You know, jump out. You're going to do it this time. You're going to skip across those waves. Come on, baby. There's fish on the grill. No. He doesn't get a word from God. He does it under his own steam. How many times are we doing things under our own initiative? God hasn't told us to do it. We just think it's a good idea. We go out, we buy something, we invest in something. We say, oh, I'm stepping out in faith. Did God tell you to do it? If he didn't tell you to do it, it's not faith. Call it this. Call it a risk. 
I'm a risk taker. But don't say it's faith unless God told you to do it. And, and in this case, God didn't tell him to do it. So down he goes, wet overcoat, everything else. He gets to shore, and then he goes back into the boat. It says he jumps back into the boat, gets the fish out, you know, and, and, and they're cooking again. I'm not hard on Peter, and I, I know God's not hard on us. I can imagine Jesus, he's, he's probably he's cooking those fish, looking at Peter going, Gosh, you know, here we go again. Pete, how many times? Uh, you know, you are the best. You are the funniest person I know. Uh, I've missed hanging out with you, watching how clumsy you are. And I think that's the way God is with some of us. It's like me looking for my glasses and I'm wearing them the whole time. Sometimes we just need to see God by getting our eyes cleared out by getting our ears cleared out and realize that, that God wants to take you places, but he wants to show you who he is first. Now, they did not recognize Jesus in all these situations until he revealed himself to them. Why is that, that he works that way? I was driving, actually driving here tonight, and uh, I drive an automatic car, but uh, I started to have a flashback of the time when I used to drive a manual car, you know, the stick shift. And, uh, and I was thinking, uh, I remember how hard it was to find first sometime when I first started driving that, that, that manual car. And, uh, you know, they used to say, find it, don't grind it. Because, you know, if, you, if you're hard on that clutch or you come off that clutch too hard, you know, the car just goes boom, 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 like that. You've got to find first. You don't go from nothing, from neutral, straight into fourth gear. You've got to find first gear. And some of us have to find first gear in our lives. We're, we're overstepping the mark sometimes. We're trying to go straight to fourth. We think God is fast food king. We just want to see Jesus, and, and, and he doesn't show up the way we think. And, and so we just shift the gears, and we, we don't find it. We grind it, and our life goes to a, to a halt. In fact, you burn out the clutch if you're not careful. God is showing us something here that is really, really amazing. Because between uh, when Jesus rose from the dead and the final event, which is 50 days later, which is Pentecost, 50, uh, Pentecost meaning 50, they're in somewhere between naught and, and 40. They're, 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 they're about the 40th day here when this happens. So they're 10 days at least away from Pentecost. So let's just put it this way. You know, they, maybe they found first gear. Maybe they're into second, but they haven't found that fifth gear yet. That's Pentecost. That's coming. They, they, they're trying to find somewhere between first gear and fourth gear, and they're struggling with that. And, and the, the lesson here that, that God is going to show all of us when the day of Pentecost comes, that it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Quit looking for a physical Jesus to, to show you around and to do everything for you. God wants to empower you now to do the stuff. That is a huge revelation, and I am so thankful for that because now the Bible says we are the body of Christ. If you want to see Jesus, you've got to look out through your eyes, and you've got to see hurting people. You've got to look at other people, not yourself, and start to see that he wants to use you, and he wants to use you in a way that he was used when he walked on the earth so that you can lay hands and pray for people. You can speak out encouraging words. You can do the same stuff. It says that, that these signs that you shall do, and greater things than these, he, Jesus said, because I go to the Father. That's when you found fifth gear. Somewhere in there, though, you got to find first, second, third, and fourth. Don't be hard on yourself, but realize that the reason that God doesn't often show himself 
number one, because it's out of context. Number two uh, is because we don't, often we, we don't clear our vision of other things that are in the way. But then the third reason is because God wants to show us that it's not going to be him now doing it all for us, but he wants to use you and me as the body of Christ. You are his hands. You are his feet. It means if you go out, you visit people in the hospital. Jesus said this. He said in, at the end of Matthew, uh, he says, I was sick, and, uh, and you didn't visit me. I was, I was poor. You didn't do anything. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. Clothe me. And he lists all these things. They go, we never did that. We never did that. We never saw you poor in prison or naked. And then he says, I was poor and naked and in prison, and you did all these things. We never did that. And then he goes and he says this, and this is incredible. He says, as much as you have done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. In other words, you want to see me? See me in these people and see me in their needs and start to reach out and be my body and, and be my voice and be my hands and be my feet and start to look out through your eyes. Let your eyes be lined up with my eyes. Get your sight right and start to find uh, your way into that. And so Jesus said, uh, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. God doesn't want us seeking a sign. He doesn't uh, do personal appearances just because we want that. He's not into uh, magic or, or, or doing little tricks and things like that. What matters to God is people, and we need to uh, get back and just realize that God is there all the time, but he wants to use you, and he wants to use me. We live in a time right now where I don't think there's been any greater opportunities to be the body of Christ and to uh, let God work through us than there is right now. It's, it's an incredible time. It's an incredible challenging time, but it's also an incredible time of opportunity. And I want to encourage you, wherever you are, start to look out Start to see the needs, start to see people as Jesus, and start to minister to people in your world. Through a, if, even if it's just a word of encouragement, even if, if it's just forgiving somebody that really doesn't deserve it, even if it's just bringing a bit of joy into somebody's life, even if it's just praying for somebody that just needs some prayer, even, even if, whatever that is, I want to encourage you right now to start to look around and start to see him, and you will, if you will take a, another look, take a better look, take a Jesus look. Let me pray for you, and, uh, and we're going to have an awesome week this week. I believe, God, you're going to see things. Next week, we're coming back for part three of uh, After Easter. We're going to look at that. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, preaching my way all the way to Pentecost Sunday. It's going to be amazing. You're going to get some great revelation that I believe that you can step into. But right now, I just want to pray for you. Firstly, I want to pray for you if you've never, ever asked Jesus Christ into your heart. You say, how do I do that? It's easy. It's not a formula. You're just uh, inviting somebody to come in, and you're, you're allowing him to be the Lord of your life. You've been the Lord for too long. It hasn't worked out, and, uh, and now it's his turn to be the Lord and, and to let him work through you. The first step 
is to give your heart to Jesus. So we're going to pray for that. And then I'm going to pray, as, uh, as I did last week, I really believe that God wants to heal and God wants to also bring breakthrough into your life. And so I'm going to ask you as a point of contact to use your screen, whatever screen it is. It might be, you know, you might be looking on, uh, on YouTube and your television screen or perhaps an iPhone or something in between. But I want you to, as a point of contact with God, I want you to come into agreement with the prayer that we're going to pray. And I'm going to believe God for incredible blessing to come into your life. But right now, I want to I want to give you a chance to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. This is not a long prayer, but if you will say this after me, and you can uh, say this under your breath or out loud uh, after me, just say this, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. That's not complicated. God hears that prayer. If you've made that prayer, I want to know about it, so please, uh, in a moment, I'll give you our website, and uh, you can please contact me. Let me know that you made that decision. And right now, I'm going to pray for you for, uh, there's a lot of stuff going around and bad stuff, and I want it to go around you. I want you to tap into the blessings of God. God answers prayer. I've seen God uh, heal miraculously. I've seen God bring provision in people's lives. I've seen people uh, uh, with all kinds of situations where God absolutely has blessed them, and he's done that for me, and he'll do it for you. So right now, I'm just going to pray for you. If you want to just put your hand on the screen, perhaps, or just put your faith into it, and right now, I'm going to reach out my hand, and, and I believe that God's presence is going into your living room or your bedroom, wherever you're at right now, in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that your name is higher than any other name. I thank you that you uh, are, are present wherever people are watching right now. That person that's in their bedroom or their lounge room, their living room, their dining room table right now that needs a miracle, that needs a breakthrough. I thank you right now, Lord, that you are our God, the provider. You are our God, the healer. You are the God that, that uh, sticks closer than a brother. All the precious promises that you give us right now. I thank you, Father. Trans transport yourself uh, through, the, through the corridor of time and space. Be there in their situation right now to heal that person right now. Even somebody with a broken heart. You're sitting there and your heart has just been broken. You're incredibly lonely right now. Father, I thank you. Just comfort that person right now in Jesus' name. I thank you right now. All kinds of sickness and disease has to go in the name of Jesus. I thank you right now that obstructions for financial breakthrough are coming down right now. Clear the way, God. Clear the way. And I also thank you, Lord, for people that have obstructions in their vision because of bitterness and unbelief and other things. Father, I thank you. Clear their vision right now. Give them the power to forgive. Give them the power to get a sweet spirit back and not a bitter spirit. Lord, do something in their heart that only you can do so that they can see you. Blessed will they be when they are pure in heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, just before I go, uh, again, I want to I encourage you, please uh, like our, uh, our Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube and uh, go to our account. Uh, it's city-church 
www.ethanfieldcom.au. Please visit our website. Send me an email. Let me know that you've listened, whatever, whatever country or city, whatever part of the world that you're in. Let us know about your prayer needs so that we can pray for you. Please reach out, make a contact, and uh, I hope to see you next week. I cannot wait as uh, we go to number three in our series, after Easter. God bless you and thank you so much for, for tuning in and choosing to watch this message and be part of our service today. God richly bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net. Or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.